Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Stronger Than Steel podcast. My name is John Keir and joining me today is my co-host Austin Davidson. Tomorrow, the 4-3 and three Pittsburgh Steelers will take on the 3-4 and four Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. But first, since this is our first show, we'd like to introduce ourselves to our audience. Um, as I said before, my name is John Keir. I'm a junior uh, at the College of Brockport in upstate New York. I'm also from upstate New York, majoring in journalism and broadcasting. And I was hoping this podcast could uh, help give me some experience in, in the field. This is something I've really been looking forward to. Uh, Austin, you have a little bit about yourself? Yep. Uh, I'm Austin Davidson. I am from New York. I go to Stony Brook right now. I'm studying bio and applied math and statistics. Uh, I became a Steelers fan back when I was seven and <laughs> because the Giants weren't on. I started as a Giants fan. And I did the most seven-year-old thing I could do, and uh, I picked my colors. And obviously, black and yellow is the best colors in the game. So. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more there. Um, yep. So, last week, both uh, the Ravens and Steelers were on a bye, but their last games came in week seven. The Ravens lost to the Jets 24-16, to and the Steelers lost 27-16 to against the Patriots. Um what uh? What's the injury report looking like for both teams, Austin? Uh, right now the injury report is Ladarius Green was ruled out. Obviously, he's just he wasn't there because he's not activated yet. William Gay is questionable, but it's already been told that Artie Burns is starting over him, so he's not going to be getting many snaps. Cody Wallace is out, and D'Angelo Williams is questionable. Now for the Raven side of things, Cerise Wright is doubtful. Uh. Elvis Dumerville is out. Uh, C.J. Mosley is back, though. He's question, questionable, but they are expecting to play. Terrell Suggs plans to play through a torn bicep. Linebacker Kamali Korea is out, and tight end Crockett Gilmore is out. Okay. Did you um, did you get a chance to touch on Cam Hayward or Ben Roethlisberger? Because obviously that's those are the two probably most important players on everyone's mind right now. Yeah, my bad. That's great. Um, so a quick uh, recap. As I said before, the Steelers lost to the Patriots 27-16 to at home two weeks ago in a game that Ben Roethlisberger didn't start. You took a look at uh, what the offense did for the Steelers in that game. Can you tell me a little bit about what they did well, what they didn't do well, and how come they only scored 16 points? Enough to win, but we don't know if uh, 
that interception without that interception could have been a touchdown. There could have been the difference in the game right there. And uh, that's a, that's about it on the bad side. We're just not capitalizing. We really aren't on offense. But what I do like, Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell is just the biggest threat, on, in my opinion, the best running back right now. Not David Johnson, not Ezekiel Elliott. Bell just has hands of a receiver. He had 81 yards rushing, but even more incredibly, 68 yards in the receiving game. He is the most dangerous person out of the backfield there is. So that's what I'm liking out of us. I'm liking our running back group and how it's going. How do you think the offensive line did in the last game? The offensive line? Uh, honestly, I, they did pretty decently. Uh, there wasn't much to complain about. Of course, there's that one big call against Chris Hubbard that uh, brought back the touchdown for Darius Hayward Bay. But it hasn't been bad in that game. In previous games, it's been uh, a struggle for David DeCastro has been getting a lot of calls and stuff. But this game wasn't bad. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. Some missed opportunities. Granted, 10 penalties is something you really don't want to see every week, but all in all, that wasn't too horrible, considering the fact that they had a backup quarterback in. Um, you also looked at the... Uh, we both looked at the uh, Ravens-Jets game from a couple weeks ago. The Jets had the ball for most of that game. How did, uh, how did the Ravens' defense play, considering the fact they were on the field for almost three quarters of the entire game? saw what I guess what would you say is the biggest strength of that unit and the biggest weakness so like as a Steelers fan what should uh, a Steelers fan hope the Steelers offense exploits or stays away from oh as a Steelers fan all I can think of is Terrell Suggs every time Ben Roethlisberger talks about the hardest hit he's ever taken it was from Terrell Suggs that man is a scary man also C.J. Mosley. C.J. Mosley leads the team in interceptions right now, and he's just a threat. So the whole idea is that linebackers should be what we avoid. The linebackers are scary on that team. Now, what I think we could exploit is their DBs. Their DBs are a little banged up. They're not doing so great. Uh, they did great last week, but they're, they're allowing opponents an average of 6.9 yards per catch. And with the Steelers, all the Steelers' great receivers, they should stand no problem. The one player that I, I'm looking at to maybe be a problem is Eric Weddle. 
Eric Weddle has been doing pretty decently for them, and I think he's the only problem with the DB, DBs, but we should be able to exploit them anyway. All right. Do you have any uh, X factors for the uh, Steelers offense or, I guess, a player to watch on uh, both teams, I guess, as far as the Steelers offense and Ravens defense goes? I got three players to watch. First up is Eli Rogers. Last week, he saw no snaps on offense, and we don't really know why. It wasn't clarified in the Mike Tomlin uh, conference. He said it didn't have to do with disciplinary action. Which we don't really know because, like, it seems like he should have played. But besides that, will he see snaps this week? This is going to be an X factor. For some reason, like, his, it's huge. He has opened up the field. Like, it, with him on the field, I'm scared this game for a lot of Antonio Brown uh, double coverage. So with Eli Rogers out there, it would really help because they would say they would feel like they need to take double coverage off AB and need to actually start. Uh, covering other people. Now, number two, I'm actually going to stay at the wide receiver position, but not AB. I'm going to go with Sammy Coates here. In my opinion, he is one of the top deep threats in this league. He is averaging, as of October 8th, 21.5 yards per catch. Now, this week he wasn't on the injury report. He obviously got stitches two weeks ago, and he didn't record a catch in the um, Patriots game because he was a little injured. But I'm ready to see a big game out of him, and I'm calling it now he will have a touchdown this game. And number three, probably the biggest, is Big Ben. Big Ben, Big Ben, Big Ben. To quote Terrell Suggs, we've seen this movie before. Last year, an injured Big Ben came in against the Browns when Landry Jones got injured in the first quarter. Big Ben led that team to a decisive 30-9 victory, throwing three touchdowns. The point being... Big Ben is used to overcoming adversity in the injury department. He's questionable, but I'm ready to see another big game. In fact, the last, t- uh, the one time we won against the Ravens, the last five times, was when Big Ben threw six touchdown passes in a really, really good game. All right. Do you have any uh, predictions as far as uh, how many how many yards they're going to have or how many touchdowns, uh, how many points you think they're going to put up? Twenty-seven points might not seem that great uh, at first look, but uh, when you think about it, the Steelers' defense actually didn't play horribly considering the fact they were going up against Tom Brady and they were without Ben Roethlisberger. They actually did a pretty good job of keeping the passing game in check. Tom Brady only threw for 222 yards, and Rob Gronkowski only had four catches. However, 
they couldn't keep them contained the entire game as Brady was able to throw two touchdowns and Kronkowski had 93 yards and a touchdown. The main cogs in their offense that day was, as I uh, said before, Gronkowski, who had four catches for 93 yards and a touchdown. He had a long touchdown reception in the third quarter, and Julian Edelman had nine catches for 60 yards. I noticed when looking at the tape that generally he was being thrown underneath or out routes. He was generally being used for short dink and dunk passes, but the main component was LeGarrette Blunt by far. 24 carries for 170, uh, sorry, 127 yards and two touchdowns. He was the star of the day. I was looking, I was looking throughout the tape at the Steelers' defensive line, and I just noticed that they really miss Cam Hayward. He, he just does so much as far as rushing the passer and stopping the run. He just makes everyone else better, particularly Stephon Tuitt. He hasn't been the same since Cameron Hayward left the lineup. Hopefully he'll be playing better since it seems like Hayward will be playing uh, tomorrow, but it just the defensive line kept getting pushed off the ball and they weren't getting off blocks enough. But it wasn't just them. The linebackers, I noticed, were generally off as far as uh, filling the holes. It seemed, I know LeGarrette Blunt's a big man, but they often missed their holes and, and couldn't uh, wrap them up when they needed to. Another big problem was uh, third down. Let me see here. The Patriots were 7 of 12 on third down, and most of those conversions were early in the game. So the Steelers really struggled to get off the field when it counted. The Patriots had two consecutive scoring drives after their first drive, which ended after one play. It was actually a fumble forced by Jarvis Jones, as you mentioned earlier. They went 11 and 13 plays, respectively, for touchdowns. The key difference here was that the Patriots were 3 for 3 in the red zone as far as touchdowns go, and the Steelers were only one of four. So that was a big problem. And as most Steelers fans know by now, a big problem has been the Steelers' pass rush, or rather lack thereof. On just about every play that I remember looking at throughout that game, I think the Steelers rushed more than four players, maybe three times. It's, I don't understand what what's going on it, I, it's the definition of insanity is continuously doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome I don't understand I, I mean at first it seemed like it was working a little bit but they couldn't get off the field it was just this constant dink and dunk offense the Patriots kept moving down the field and Brady had plenty of time and when he did get rushed he was able to escape and run for the first down most of the time so a key difference that the Steelers are going to need is that they're just going to have to start bringing more people. I know they probably don't want to expose their young cornerbacks like an Artie Burns to one-on-one -on -one coverage, and they don't want to give up the big play. But, you know, even a little more, eight sacks through, what, seven games now? That's that's just not going to cut it. And the Steelers' defensive backs hadn't had, have not had an interception yet this season. Something's got to give here. Because it's it's just not working. Even even though they're not giving up the big play, it's, it's something has to be done. Um, as far as the Ravens' offense goes, based on how they played a couple weeks ago, you you summed it up pretty pretty well. They were horrible, to to put it lightly. Um, 
the Ravens rush for I I heard this I don't know if it's true but it's if it is it's a team record for the lowest amount of rushing yards they've ever had they had six in the entire game Terrence West led the way with eight carries for ten yards on his own which was lost by I believe four yards by Joe Flacco but the offense really just couldn't get anything going they got behind really quickly I believe let me double check here. Yeah, they only had six rushing yards on 12 carries, and Joe Flacco wasn't anything special himself. He threw uh, for 248 yards on 25 of 44 attempts, 25 completions on 44 attempts, no touchdowns and two interceptions. Based on what I saw on the tape, the, the Jets' defensive front was just way too much for the Ravens' offense to handle. And the Ravens, probably their biggest strength on offense is probably their offensive line, at least when it comes to run blocking. The last few years when the Steelers have played the Ravens, it always feels like it doesn't matter who's back there for the Ravens, whether it's Terrence West or Justin Forsett. It feels like they've been running running wild for as much as they want with that zone read. But the Jets were able to contain it, which, again, speaks to the importance of someone like Cam Hayward playing next week, or I guess tomorrow. We, it really shows how important that defensive line is. It really does. Oh, Absolutely. It's really on defense that you got to be a team, especially with the defensive line. The big problem with the Ravens' defense is that because they were on the field so much, they got worn down because the offense wasn't giving them any support. The Ravens only had the ball for 23 minutes and 23 seconds, actually. As far as how clean they played, the Ravens only had four penalties for 31 yards, so it wasn't horrible, but they also turned the ball over three times. Two interceptions from Flacco, as I stated before, and there was also a fumble. Um, as far as my X factors for this game, I have to figure on the Ravens' offense. Uh, three players to watch, or I guess two players to watch, are excuse me, the former Steeler Mike Wallace is absolutely someone that has to be watched. Steelers fans know well, just like Ravens fans know, that he is best used as a deep threat, and it's no secret Joe Flacco likes to throw the deep ball. That's where the Ravens oh, yeah. will get most of their offense if they don't get it from running the ball. That's why it's all important for the Steelers to stop the run first and foremost. Don't let Flacco get the play action off. Don't let him try to throw deep, hit receivers deep, or draw pass interference flags deep because that will hurt the Steelers in the long run. Now, uh, I mentioned Mike Wallace. The other for me is Dennis Pitta. True, he hasn't been the same player that he was years ago before his uh, concussions, uh, his concussion history. But at the same time, the Steelers have had a large, have had a pretty big problem covering tight ends. They did a good job for about a half on Rob Gronkowski, but obviously they they weren't able to finish the job. And Pitta only had four catches for 40 yards last week, but with such a, such a bad game it's easy to forget about that and remember his history against the Steelers and know how important it is to not let him go off. I'd say probably the biggest, I mentioned the strength of this team being the run blocking and how the how the Jets uh, were able to stop that. The biggest weakness I'd have to say is actually the, the Ravens, is actually what the Patriots' strength probably is, although the Patriots have many, is the fact that the Ravens seem to have trouble moving the ball down the field with their passing game. When you shut down the run like the Jets did last week and the Ravens were forced to pass the ball, all it all, all was was simply taking away the deep ball and forcing them to work underneath. 
The Ravens don't have receivers that can don't have a strong receiving core. Last I saw, I don't remember if you touched on this, I think you did, but the health of Steve Smith is clearly an issue. He's probably their most well-rounded receiver, but he's also getting up there in age now. Mike Wallace can run underneath routes, and they said, I heard that uh, he had been doing this more this year, but we all know Mike Wallace's best attribute is his speed for the deep ball, and Kamir Aiken is the really the only other noteworthy receiver that I've uh, I believe can do any real damage. So as far as the Steelers go, the most important thing is to stop the run. And then if you can do that, make them pass, get up early, make them throw underneath. Don't let, don't let them beat you deep and tackle the catch. So basically the classic Dick LeBeau style defense. But if the Steelers want to do that, they're also going to need to bring pressure because there's no guarantee the Steelers are going to get up early. Although, Ben Roethlisberger has been a great quarterback. There's no denying his statistics when he comes back early from an injury or when he comes back from an injury at all. Last year, he came back in his first game against the Cincinnati Bengals at home, and he threw three interceptions, two and promptly in the final six minutes of the game. So there's no guarantee that getting up early is going to happen. So this might be on the defense to win a tough game in Baltimore. Against a weak wide receiving core? Yes, I actually thank you for uh, asking me about that. I forgot to ma- mention my other X factors, um, but yes, I uh, I think they can do a good job. Uh, you mentioned before with William Gay injured and questionable. My biggest X factor on the defense is Artie Burns, who's going to get his first career start tomorrow. We've seen some some good, some bad from him, but. The real question is how his raw talent is going to match up with a Mike Wallace or a Kamir Aiken. And the big thing is that the safeties will help over top. And that's been the classic Steelers defense for a long time now is to help out deep. But the safeties, Mike Mitchell and Robert Golden, and depending on where uh, Sean Davis, the rookie, is playing, they need to make sure that they don't get beat deep because we all know Mike Wallace is fast. But... I believe they can do that as Artie Burns is fast while William Gay is not as fast. So I believe that would be big. I already touched on Cam Hayward being a uh, X factor. Well, just an important player, but he's another X factor for the defensive line that he can't, he's not one to be known to be pushed around too much. And that's going to be important with the Ravens infamous zone running style. And the other X factor I have is Ryan Shazier. He played he didn't play as much as one would have thought a couple weeks ago, but now he should be fully healthy. And he missed a couple of tackles last week, or sorry, two weeks ago, even though he played pretty well. So I'll be looking forward to seeing him hopefully returning to his his form. And I believe he's going to do, a, I believe he's going to have a pretty good game. Unfortunately, I think the Steelers are going to lose just because of how hard it is for the Steelers to win in Baltimore. The recent history against Baltimore, Ben Roethlisberger's history of coming back after an injury or having not played for a while, those don't look good based on the historical perspective. Now, I do understand that this isn't a it's you know an any given Sunday kind of thing, but. I don't think the Ravens, I think the bye week for both teams definitely helped because I know both were banged up, but I think a bye week 
is only favorable when you're the only team on the bye week, not the other team. The fact that Baltimore is at home, I think, will really help them. I just i I can't say this. I can't see the Steelers stopping the run too too much because I just I know they're I, I just until they do against Baltimore, I don't see how I can expect any different. I don't know if Terrence West is going to run for 100 yards, but I think as a team, the Ravens run for probably about 120 yards. Um, I think Flacco, he, he doesn't seem to throw too many interceptions because then again, the Steelers aren't picking off many passes. So I'm going to have Flacco going for about 255. I think he's going to have an efficient game, probably a touchdown, maybe two, probably no picks. He may get sacked once. I, I don't know. It depends on if the, Steel- if the Steelers are bringing four oh, rushers. Don't go too far there, man. I know. How sad is I, I guess I'm just holding out hope, holding out hope that they'll actually bring more more rushers, but then again, the Jets only sacked him once, and they have a much better front seven right now. So I don't know. I guess maybe that was just wishful thinking. Um, what else? I'm betting Artie Burns gives up one pass interference play. I don't think he gets beat deep, but I think he does get called for a you know a rookie. I think Mike Wallace, the veteran, will uh, draw a pass interference call or a couple of holding calls. I, I see that happening a couple times. Um, and, oh, I, I never touched on special teams. Uh, Jacoby Jones, for years, terrorized the Steelers at, uh, as a kick and punt returner. And, uh, well, the Ravens have someone different, a guy by the name of Devin Hester, who uh, I'm sure we all know. Um, while he's clearly not... I'm sorry, what? He has a history, too. Oh, yeah. he uh, He's not the player he once was, but, I mean, it's still Devin Hester. It's still someone I'd want to be careful with. And as far as punting goes, the, the Steelers are in luck because Jordan Berry's been having a fantastic season. Maybe a, I don't know, maybe a uh, surprise or uh, under-the-radar team MVP. He has, uh, he's averaging uh, he's averaging uh, 45.8 yards per punt. And uh, he's had 13 punts in the inside the 20-yard line, so he's having a pretty good year. I think uh, Tomlin will, Coach Mike Tomlin will make sure that he knows not to kick the ball too close to Devin Hester. And as far as uh, kickoffs go, or kicking, I would think that hopefully the Steelers don't uh, don't uh, make a decision like they did last uh, two weeks ago against the Patriots to have Chris Boswell kick a, a long make a long field goal attempt when he had already missed a, a kick earlier. So I think he'll have a bounce back game too, but I think that the problems the Steelers are facing on offense will just be a little too much for the Steelers to overcome. I got the Ravens winning this one 27-17. All right. Anything else you'd like to add today?
is uh, Roosevelt Nix in the lineup right now? Is he? Because I, I remember he was hurt at the beginning of the year. Roosevelt Nix is is gonna be in, and I, I actually I wrote about him. I hope to see him step up with D'Angelo William questionable. I expect to see him and Toussaint in the in the backfield a little bit more. But Nix didn't even get. Uh, Nix was in on one play, but he didn't get any snaps. He didn't really. He didn't rush right. I, so I've noticed I that. Like yeah. To see him get involved. They uh, they haven't been using him nearly as much as they did towards the tail end last year, and I I don't really know why he was really effective last year. I wonder if something is still bothering him as far as injury goes. Possibly the Patriots game was the first game he was off the injury report. So maybe we'll see. Yeah, I'm hopefully sorry. now that he's gotten two two more weeks, he will be used more. Maybe he's back to full health now. It's exciting. I, I, I hope to see him. Yeah, that's definitely possible, then. I would have to agree with you that uh, Grimble's probably the odd man out when it comes to that group. But I also know that the injury report on Cody Wallace is not looking good. It sounds like he had either a setback or he just needs to be evaluated again. It's possible that when they bring Green off the PUP list, uh, that for those who don't know, that's physically unable to perform list. When you get activated off of that list, you have 21 days to rejoin the team on the roster or you are put on injured reserve and your season ends. I think, well, well, there's a week left, by the way, uh, that the Steelers have to make that decision. I believe that he will return, obviously, but I think what they're going to do is put Cody Wallace on IR and they'll probably give Green the helmet and I think they'll take away Grimble's helmet for uh and they'll take uh, Grimble off the active roster maybe send him to the practice squad or maybe just use him as a reserve player. Mm-hmm. I mean he caught a touchdown so he you you could see he's actually he's a pretty decent tight end. He he's done a lot. Yeah. Uh he's just Ladarius Green is probably better Jesse James, David Johnson. It's kind of hard. I want to I I like Grimble a little bit better than Johnson. But I think the, in terms of the Steelers, the Steelers want Johnson. Yeah. Oh, one more thing I want to touch on. Is Bud Dupree coming back this, this week? Is Bud Dupree's week? I haven't seen anything about that. I actually, the last I remember, I think I heard it was like going to be, the, they were going to look at him next week or the week after. But either way, oh my God, anything would be better than what the Steelers have right now. I mean, Cam Hayward has three of the Steelers' eight sacks as a team. I mean... Oh my God, what's going on? Could really help that pass rush with his speed coming Absolutely. off the edge. Anything really, even even make the quarterback rush a little bit, even something. I I don't know. You can't rely on a thirty-eight year old James Harrison to be your primary pass rusher on the outside. It just it, it's not going to get it done come uh, January, you know. Yeah. The most you can hope is James Harrison scares them off that they don't want to run to his side <laughs> yeah that that is one thing he's still good at is uh a, he's still a good rush uh run defensor or run defensive run player um is there anything else you'd like to add before uh, we wrap this up no no that should be it all right well thank you so much for joining us on our first episode of the stronger than steel podcast hope you enjoyed it um if you have feedback we'll uh i'm probably going to post this on youtube uh, email the show. It's uh, stronger than steel podcast at gmail.com with uh, any questions or concerns or any feedback. We'd be happy to read it over and we'd appreciate it. So uh, thanks again. We'll see you next time.